0: gazette newspapers presents the parting shots podcast the parting shots podcast is brought to you by trophy case the app created for athletes by athletes downloaded today available for ios and android users in your app store now here's your host daily gazette associate sports editor ken shock thank you very much scott Geezy, and welcome to the parting shots podcast We're back to our normal Thursday posting of the podcast. Thanks for joining me. It's the first week of September, and that means football is on the minds of sports fans. The college football season is underway at the Division I and 1AA levels. Sorry, still can't get used to calling it the football subdivision and football championship subdivision. The NFL starts Thursday, and the high school season in Section 2 kicks off Friday. We'll be talking plenty of football in this edition of the Pawning Shots podcast. Daily Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly will be on to talk about the five high school games to watch this weekend. On the college side, Union Head Coach Jeff Berman joins the show as he gets the Dutchman ready for Saturday's season opener against Westfield State. And we will wrap up the Saratoga horse racing season with Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. But first, we will preview the high school football season with veteran Daily Gazette sports writer and the Hall of Famer Jim Schultz. Jim uh last time we chatted you were getting ready to be inducted into the uh Capital District Football Hall of Fame uh can just talk about that night what was what was it like It
1: was great seeing all the people what was really cool was talking to you well know, men now who I covered when they were you know high school kids and this is some of them literally 30 years ago coming up and just chit-chatting and and going over old times and talking about games we I mean, games yeah I remember this play and that play and one after another and uh it was awesome you know again the kind of thing I'm a low-key guy kind of you know I don't know a little skeptical walking in just because I was uh nervous
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh I was the last one to walk out of the place so I did have a good time
0: we well, saw so you did at least have the Mets cap with you I brought
1: the Mets hat with me I did not wear it I wanted it to look good but uh I had a little story with my my, my speech tied it in with the Mets, how we have a lot in common. So I did. People, some people said cool. Some, people, some of the uh, old-timers said, what are you doing wearing a hat? You know, <laughs> I'm not wearing it. So it was fun. Great night. That's great. Yeah. Uh,
0: congratulations again. Yes. Now it's time to kick off the uh, 2019 yes. season. One of the storylines this season to me, Jim, is going to be how Glens Falls handles life after Joseph Gerard III. Uh, he quarterbacked the team to two Class B state titles in three years. How do you think they'll do?
1: I actually think they're going to do quite well. Now, I wouldn't predict a state title, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run at another Section 2 title. They still have they have kids back. Not a ton, but they have some kids who contributed last year. Um, they have skill kids. Uh, if they can get somebody to block and tackle, they should be OK. I think they're going to be fine. I really do. Uh, I
0: don't know how strong. They'll be strong. Okay, What other teams in Class B are there could good challenge? Uh, I'm thinking Chalmont possibly. Who knows?
1: Cobleskill lost a bunch of guys from their good team. I'm hearing Skylerville good things, but it takes them sometimes a little bit of time to rev up that uh, that flexbone offense. But I think they're going to be good. Tough to say at this stage. Who's, you know? But I, I got to. I think Glens Falls is the team right now. You know, we shall see. But I, I think they're, I think they're loaded and ready to come back again.
0: Well, let's take a look at some of the other classes. Let's start with uh, Double A. Double A.
1: Who knows? You know, you never know, but I got I to gotta think Shenandoah is going to be good. Saratoga's been on a nice run the uh, last couple years, got to the Super Bowl. Don't forget Shaker. They've got a great thing going. Okay, last, uh, I, eight, nine years, they've been right on the cusp. If not winning it, they are the
0: defending champ. So um,
1: it's got to play its way out, but uh, don't count out Shaker. Don't, keep an eye on Shaker.
0: What about over at uh, Class A?
1: Class A, uh, you know, you look at Burn Hills, as a three-time defending champ. Uh, last three years they got to the state semis. They did lose their entire backfield, but I did a story on it a, couple, a week or so ago. Uh, they have kids who can run, and they're going to find kids who can block. They're going to be good again. And I, going in, I would think they're the favorite despite their losses. They did lose their entire backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, they have athletes, and they have great numbers. Uh, a lot of people are struggling these days with numbers. Burn Hills has numbers. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and watch out for Burn Hills. Queensberry lost their running back, uh, Liam O'Malley. They've been on a nice run for quite a while. So don't count either of those out. Don't be surprised if they meet in another Super Bowl. But uh, Queensbury, I think, will be there because, again, they, uh, they have that tough offense and they, they have tough kids. So, yeah, but watch Burn Hills.
0: Yeah. What about c and D? C and d uh,
1: uh, well, let's go back to B. Okay. With B, yep. uh, cause we won't need to mention Holy Trinity. Yep. Has moved up from C to B, um, uh, because they're now playing with uh, Holy Trinity's Bishop Gibbons, Catholic Central, and they've added Bishop McGinn this year. There would be uh, Joey Tortello, a quarterback for the fourth year in a row. Nasir Hundley catching the ball uh, for him. These guys are all star kids. Um, I think they're going to be quite good, actually. So watch out for Holy Trinity. Yeah. Uh, the Cs, wow. How can you uh, not include Cambridge? Okay, you know, they've been on such a roll over the last several years, really for decades, right? You know, but um, so. But again, I don't have a firm handle. There's so many teams in the Cs and Ds uh, that I don't know about yet. D, I'm not even going to – don't know where to go yet. But uh, just you yeah, got to throw out Cambridge when you talk Class C football in Section 2. So –
0: a couple of items uh, I want to touch on. Uh, first of all, Scotia Glenville has a new field uh, turf uh, surface. field's not ready yet for, for Tartans to play on, so I go there to play their home opener Friday at Schenectady High School. Uh, but it's good that Tartans get a new playing surface. I mean, it, it shows that maybe they're, they're committed to the program.
1: They are. They're, they believe they're going to have actually a pretty good season. The field is wonderful. It's beautiful. They just have to do a few details. That's why they can't play on it yet. Uh, they are opening up. At Schenectady, I can't remember the opponent. I'm thinking it's Hudson Falls for some reason. Uh, so watch out for Scotia. they got good numbers and a lot of kids back from a team that won, um, had a nice uh, finish to their season last year. 20 kids are back from that group, so they may make some noise. Watch out. Plus, their field is beautiful. They're going to get on us sometime this year. Uh, could be a couple weeks down the road. Yeah.
0: Uh, The other news, and you mentioned numbers earlier, uh, this is now involving Rensselaer. They're not going to be fielding a team this year. They only had 14 players, two under the uh, required uh, number to have a team. I mean, that announcement came a couple of weeks ago, uh, has left some teams scrambling to fill those dates that they were supposed to play Rensselaer. I mean, how disappointing is that for a team like Rensselaer not to have a squad this year and for the schools that have to uh, fill those dates? It's it's tough for
1: everybody. Um, From what I understand, Rensselaer didn't have great – they didn't have numbers, but their coach was optimistic. Even with what he thought they were going to have, they could win some games. They are not going to play. They are. They have a tradition. People don't realize they were at the, at the Carrier Dome years ago. Uh, they played in the state finals back to back. They won five straight Section Two titles uh, at one point in the uh, '90s. Uh, good, solid program. Just they don't got kids. Uh, what that does to the other teams that they were scheduled to play. They are now scrambling. That is flat out. I uh, talked to the Section 2 coordinator, uh, Bob Durant. They have to, it happened so late, these teams are now trying to find teams that are. everyone's booked. You know, everyone's got their schedule. There's some possibilities out there. I can't really say anything for sure. Um, when I delved into it, there were some possibilities that some of our teams might be able to find a game. But some of them are going to have buys. Guaranteed. Some teams are just going to go a week without playing.
0: What does that say about a program like Rensselaer, not able to? Was that how is that a warning sign for high school football?
1: Numbers are down all over. You
0: know, uh, we spoke with Holy Trinity;
1: they have a combined just over thirty kids, but that's JV and varsity. They don't have a lot of kids. I was up at Johnstown uh, yesterday; they are playing uh, their varsity sports, which is great. They have twenty varsity kids, twenty-one on the JV. It's all over. This is not, you know, some teams are fortunate. Your Burn Hills, your Shenandoah, uh, Saratoga, traditionally have good numbers. Um, uh, Troy, success breeds, brings kids. Okay, that's just a fact. Um, But some successful programs don't bring the kids. That's, so you never know. It's just, this is not uh, isolated to Rensselaer. A lot of numbers are a problem with football uh, nationwide. Yeah.
0: So what game are you gonna be covering
1: on uh, Friday? I'm heading over to uh, Burn Hills. We're gonna see Burn Hills. They play Gloversville. Uh, I want to see that new backfield for Burn Hills. Um, again, they got several runners. I can't mention. I don't want to mention anybody yet because he hasn't picked anybody out. But uh, they could be running six, seven kids come Friday night. It'll be interesting. They play Gloversville team uh, with a new coach, uh, uh, Robert uh, James Robert, I believe, and um, uh, those uh, Matt Shell, the Burn Hills coach, and Robert were teammates at Gloversville years ago uh interesting game I just want to let's get it going yeah. and then Saturday I'll be at Holy Trinity uh I can't remember who they play but um no they play Hudson I believe Hudson had a good year last year oh, yeah. for that's the class B debut for Holy it should be interesting again Hudson had a nice running back and it's a couple of defensive kids who were really tough going into week one you, there's a lot of unknowns and so I'm, I'm flat out telling people, I don't know what I'm going to see. I don't know what I'm going to see, but it's going to be fun.
0: Well, Jim, well, as always, we look forward to your coverage. You can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim underscore Schultz. Uh, Jim, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Got
0: a candy. All right, that's Jim Schultz. Coming up, more high school football talk with Daily Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. You're listening to the Potting Shots Podcast.
2: Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app in the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback trophy case the app created for athletes by athletes get it today
0: back on the parting shots podcast and we continue our high school football preview coverage with sports editor mike kelly who's going to join me each week to look at the five games to watch and he will make predictions on the games uh get your money ready (laughs) anyway mike welcome back to the podcast
3: Ken, thanks for having
0: me. I appreciate you coming on. Well, let's discuss the five games you have chosen as the ones to watch. Uh, talk, talk about the, what five games are on the list.
3: Sure. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's probably a difficult challenge each week to pick, but especially in week one when, you know, we're still getting used to these teams, you know, seeing, you know, who the stronger teams are in the area. Um, five games I picked, Shalmon uh, at Cobleskill, uh Troy at LaSalle, uh, Harry fort Plain at Mechanicville, uh, Cambridge-Salem at Greenwich, and Hudson at Holy Trinity, so it's uh, you know a mix of uh, you know a lot, a lot of smaller schools this week. I think there's only one uh, Class A game with the Troy LaSalle matchup. Um, so it seems like it's a bigger week for for some of these smaller schools.
0: Yeah, Jim Schultz earlier mentioned that Shama could be one of the teams. To contend for the Class B Section Two title, we uh, I mean, obviously Glens Falls. Even though without uh, Joseph Jordan III, um, he thinks it could be the uh, top team again. But uh, I mean, Shaw, what about Shawmont? Uh, I mean, can can they beat Coplesco Richmondville?
3: Yeah. So I think the the thing that's really going for Shawmont is they they have a lot of depth. Um, you know, and every year we hear more and more about you know different teams not having a ton of kids. Shawmont's got 35 varsity kids, um, and that's 35 true varsity kids. Um, You know, from different things you've heard this year, that's more than some schools who are playing up in A and and even some up in AA. uh, You know, from kind of what things have sounded like so far. Um, You know, my my prediction would be that Shawmont wins that week one game with Cobleskill. Cobleskill is a team that beat Shawmont last year in a key regular season game, uh, late field goal. Um, they have Hunter Edwards back, who's you know maybe the top running back in the section. Um, but the rest of their team is a lot of question marks right now because they had such a great senior class last year. Um, so I would, I would think Shalmont wins that one, but I would imagine both those two teams, um, those are going to be contenders uh, in, in Class B. Well,
0: let's look at the uh, Battle of Troy at LaSalle and Troy at LaSalle on Friday night. Uh, what do you like about this? This seems like always a heated battle.
3: Yeah, this is just like the easiest one to pick probably just Troy and LaSalle and they played a great game last year that Troy won um, with kind of a, a funny ending or you know it's, it's funny for, for Troy because they won and it was a, a two- point game. I think LaSalle misses a two- point conversion late and then LaSalle gets the ball back for like a couple seconds on a fumble and then fumbles it right back. Um, and that's how that game last year ended. Um, I'm gonna it, prediction is Troy. Um, uh, but this is one of those ones where I really don't have a great feel for it. This is one of the more interesting week one games. because um, I would imagine whoever wins this game, um, you know, maybe establishes themselves as like the true
0: contender along with Burnt Hills and Class A. Right. On to uh, Mechanicville and Ken Jerry Plain. Uh, What's attractive about this matchup?
3: Yeah, so this is a couple teams that missed the playoffs last year. They also played an exciting game last year. Um, You know, and this is one of those games where, you know, maybe it doesn't, you know, if you're just looking at the schedule, this one maybe doesn't jump off the page right away to you. But this is one that when we get to, like, week six, week seven, whoever won this game is going to probably have a leg up in the postseason race. Um, I'm going to go with Mechanicville because they're at home, but this is another one, you know, it seems very much like a toss-up. And, again, could mean a lot, you know, down the road.
0: Next up, uh, Cambridge and Greenwich. What about that one?
3: Yeah, just some conventional rivals. Kind of funny that they're playing in week one. Um, You can't pick against (laughs) Cambridge-Salem, and I'm not going to. Okay.
0: (laughs) And finally, uh, Hudson takes on Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity moving up to Class B this year, a little tougher competition.
3: Yeah, and, and Hudson's been a good, a good program these last uh, few years, especially. Um, I think Holy Trinity, especially at home, um, wins this game. They've got some seniors back with Tortello, Hunley, um, who are super talented, regardless of what class they're in. Um, again, though, that's like another one of those games that you know should be super competitive, and whoever wins that has an early leg up on becoming one of the true contenders uh, in Class B this year.
0: So, do you like it? Holy Trinity? That's be be an interesting game, Uh, only trending on on Saturday. Uh, Mike, thanks for coming on. We'll do this again next week. All right, thank you. That's Daily Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. We continue the football theme as I talk with Union College Head Coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, pro football fans. It's time again to match which with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em football game, Sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com slash football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week, and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em football game sponsored by River Sportsbook at dailygazette.com slash football. Welcome back to the Parting Shots podcast. My next guest begins his fourth season as the Union College head football coach. He took over a program that failed to win a game in 2015 and has posted consecutive winning seasons. The Dutchmen opened the season Saturday when they host Westfield State. Here is my interview with head coach Jeff Behrman. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate you having me on. Well, appreciate you coming on here. I know you're getting ready for the uh, season opener uh, Saturday against Westfield State. How excited are you? How excited are, is the team?
4: Yeah, Everybody's excited. Uh, guys have uh, really, really lasered in with their focus, and uh, they're ready to, to play somebody else. We had, a, we had a scrimmage over the weekend, but uh, we held a lot of guys out, didn't have them play that much, and... Uh, uh, they're just ready to go. So they're having a great week of practice so far.
0: It almost sounds like NFL preseason to keep your key players out. <laughs>
4: yeah, you know, this year was a little bit different last year. You know, we had to play uh, – we weren't sure who our, those key guys were. And, and now, you know, a year – a year uh, removed, we we kind of know who those uh, those guys are. So uh, you know we, we let those guys play a little bit, but then it was really more about the scrimmage. Was more about just finding out those those uh, those other guys that are going to rotate in and, and play uh, really important snaps for us throughout a game and just see where they were at at the time.
0: We'll talk about the players in just a moment, but let's start with you. Your fourth year as the Dutchman head coach, program's come a long way since you took over in 2016. The team had its second consecutive winning season last year. I mean, how important is it to keep building on that success? It's really important, and uh, I think our guys understand the importance of that.
4: Um, You know, I I would say, you know, we're we're trying to continue the the tradition of Union College football, which which has a very strong and rich football tradition for many many years. And uh, you know, John O'Dino was a big part of that. uh, You know, prior to to me coming here, Um, but it it just it's all about the program. It's all about uh, moving it forward, and the guys understand the history of the program, and they understand the importance of continuing to build it. And uh, I really like our leadership right now. It's a product of the leadership uh, that we're in the, the senior classes, the the, the, uh, the classes before these guys now, but they just continue to strengthen it and, and build the culture.
0: Well, let's take a look at the offense and some of the players there. The Dutchman, you guys averaged 31 points per game last season. Top offensive threats and quarterback Will Bellamy, running back uh, Ike, uh, Arbor and uh why I I probably mispronounced that Rearboard. name. Rearboard, thank you. And uh whiteout Andre Ross uh, Junior are back. Uh with them returning, can the offense be even better?
4: Well, I think uh, you know, we're consciously optimistic. I mean certainly uh you know, I, I feel a year of experience under their belt. Um will be in a junior now, uh, uh you know, a first year starter last year, and then IK and Andre were both freshmen last year, so you know, they they had the year under their belt with the season. They had spring practice. Uh, they had a great summer, a uh, couple months of training, and then uh, you know they've had a terrific preseason so far. Uh, they're they're just playing the game faster, uh, as Will says. You know, and it's good for a quarterback. The game slowed down for him, which uh, usually your first year starting everything's just uh, kind of buzzing by you, and he's starting to kind of settle in and and. and the game's slowing down for him, which is good. But on the flip side, you know, Ik and and, uh, and Andre just look as smooth as ever right now, um, and playing really well. But uh, you know, it, it, I really like the strength of our offensive line right now as well. You know, it's just not those skill guys, and you know, we're returning four offensive linemen. We're going to start one freshman, uh, in Max Langsom, at the right tackle. Uh, but those other guys have been have been uh, together there for the full year and are playing really well together
0: that these guys know the offense so well I mean how important is it how's it helped their confidence going into this this season
4: I think a lot you know uh, again a year under their belt playing together as a cohesive unit and uh, understanding situational football a little bit better I think helps you a lot um, you know but in the end the experience is great uh, but it'll come down to you know to blocking tackling and, and just executing our offense to to allow us to have success
0: on the defensive side, you have five starters returning. Uh, what are the concerns there?
4: Well, I think, uh, you know, when you look at us as a defense, um, it, it's kind of in between experience and inexperience. I, I would say we have some experience back, but then there's going to be quite a few new guys out there that got to prove themselves. And I thought we had some good showings in the scrimmage on Saturday. But, uh, you know, I, I think we we have – a you know, some dominant guys I feel up front on the D line and uh, Finney Caterino and, and uh, Dan Gioso. And Tim Ghani's done a terrific job in building his body up and, and being ready to, to to go into a starting role this year. Um, you know, the loss of a uh, Bobby Law up front is difficult because he was an anchor in a 3 4 defense. You know, I think uh, I think Dan Gioso, you know, gives us the ability to move him around from D end to nose to some other places, but. And then you look at, uh, you know, the loss of Jack Riley, who uh, was a first-team All-Liberty player. Um, you know, so, you know, and Jack's a guy that I've always kind of looked at and said you can't replace Jack. You know, he just he had different instincts. He played the, the game, um, uh, you know, just at a, at a very, very high level. Um, but, uh, you know, right now George Reed, who's a captain this year, is, is stepping into that role. He played a lot of football last year for us as well, rushing the, rushing the quarterback. So, um, you know, I think George will – uh, you know, bust into that role, and, and a couple other guys will will, will spell him at times. Um, and, you know, and then it really came down to you know that field corner and Tucker Newman, who had been a two-year starter for us and had been a punt returner and did a lot of things. I mean, at, at times he was the best athlete on the field. Um, so you know, we, we've we've got some depth now, at corner. We were really happy with how some guys are stepping up. We moved Travis Demby over there from running back to, to to corner, and then we've got some some younger guys that. Don't have the experience. I mean, Travis has experience in varsity game plan running back. He hasn't had it as a, as a corner, but the other guys have to step up as well.
0: What incoming players you think could make an impact?
4: Uh, you know, there's still some guys that are that – are, we're still – you know, our evaluations are done, but they're still developing. As I said earlier, Max Langsom on the offensive line is a guy who, uh, who's going to start at our right tackle. But then, uh, you know, a guy that'll be in some rotation will be a a freshman offensive lineman Ryan Rockenbach at at one of our um, at one of our guard positions. Um, You know, potentially, uh, you know, in terms of newcomers to the program who are just getting here now. uh, There's a there's a a junior and a transfer from Holy Cross, uh, Will Sermon, at wide receiver, a freshman receiver from Fairfield Prep in Connecticut, Finn Duran, who who are both. Um, you know, more than capable of playing. Um, and when you flip over to the uh, to the defense side of the ball, freshman wise uh, on uh, on the D line, Jamar Edwards. Uh, we're very strong on the D line in our freshman class. Jamar Edwards is one from Iona Prep. Uh, Jack Flanagan's another D lineman who plays D end from uh, from Madison High School or from uh, Daniel Hand High School, Madison, Connecticut. Um, Emilio Camu has done some really really nice things as well. Um, you know, linebacker Spencer Goldstein from Hudson, New York, here. So uh, there's definitely some freshmen, um, you know, I, th- I think uh, that can step up and make some plays for us.
0: Let's talk a little league here. You guys finished third, uh, tied for third with Hobart last year, uh, just a game out of first place. Uh, you're picked to finish fourth in this year's poll. Uh, what do you have to do to uh, prove the uh, skeptics wrong?
4: Oh, I think it's just take one, one week at a time, you know, and that's always been our philosophy. One week at a time and, and uh, really just focus on ourselves, um, you know, not worry. I mean, we got to know who our opponent is and what they do schematically and who their personnel is. But, you know, once we get by that and we understand who they are, uh, we got to really focus on us. And, and then it becomes a consistency thing from week to week to week um, and continuing to build um, the experience and some of those inexperienced players from week to week. But uh, just play it at a, at a very fast pace, at a very high level, and at a very disciplined level.
0: Let's look at the rest of the league. The RPI we mentioned won the title last year. Is a pick to win it again this season. Ithaca picked number two, and Hobart three. The top four teams in the poll are separated by just seven points. Now there's the seventh team in the league this year in Buffalo State. So how tough will the league be this year?
4: I think the league as a whole will be as strong as it's been since I have been at Union. So I, I think uh, you know you, you got new coaching staffs and in uh, pretty much all, but all but RPI is the only existing head coach that when I got here Ithaca's new I'm thinking about this roster's new or uh, Rochester's new Buffalo State just a new head coach this year Um, so uh, and Hobart's new with Kevin DeWall so um, I I, I think new coaches bring new energy and and, uh, and new issues for opposing teams so um, I, I think it's as strong as it can be I think it's a league where anybody can beat anybody um you know I think uh, you know I think RPI is is still the team to beat uh, being the playoff team here the last couple of years and making the good run last year and then you know Ithaca returns a lot of, a lot of key players for them and they they play such great team defense and in Hobart you just uh, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get their best game every time you play them.
0: Well Jeff I appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, good luck this season and we look forward to uh, maybe another successful season I appreciate it Ken thanks again for having me. That's Union football coach Jeff Behrman. Up next, Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam looks back at the 2019 Saratoga horse racing season. Stay tuned.
2: This is Hunter Moffitt, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for Athletics. Notable Trophy Case team members include Dan Nolan, president and CEO of Hugh Johnson Advisors, owner of the Albany Empire, who says, Trophy Case is an innovative platform that has great potential for athletes. Nolan said, The feedback and experience brings value to athletes, parents, and sports affiliates in one network. I simply think of this as a combination of Instagram and LinkedIn for athletes. You can download the Trophy Case app at the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback trophy case the app created for athletes by athletes get it today
0: Welcome back to the parting Shots podcast the Saratoga racing season had ended on Monday 40 days of racing spread out over 8 weeks was it a success to talk about the meet is daily gazette sports writer mike begatum mike welcome back and you're in studio and how tired are you after that 8 week run
5: I'm not tired at all. I mean, it was fun. I mean, you go kind of through, through the same cycle every year where, you know, there's a lot of anticipation for the meet, and then at some point – All of a sudden, it's it's Travers week, and you realize there's only two weeks left. And then that last week after the Travers, the air is starting to come out of the balloon, and and it gets a little draggy. But, nah, I'm not tired. I'm all fired up, ready to move on to the next thing.
0: (laughs) Well, the meet started July 11th, a couple weeks earlier than normal. There were two dark days instead of one. There was one day when a race car was canceled because of excessive heat. There were some very exciting races. Before we dive into the numbers, uh, what are your thoughts on the meet? Um
5: I think it worked uh, you know certainly the hand, the all sources handle number they topped 700 million dollars for the first time ever and that's usually the strongest and the, the most important indicator of how the the meet went um the early start you know I don't, I I don't really think it had that much of a difference for people maybe they just people started showing up a little later in the in the summer than they usually do um I think that first week seemed a little quiet like people just weren't used to saratoga being open at that time of year um uh, the two days off um i think that worked everybody anticipated that it would be good for the horsemen and the employees to have two days off and i think you know generally people were in favor of it now i had sat down with um david o'rourke on sunday uh, he's the president and ceo of naira Um, just to kind of do a meet follow-up and they will look very hard at switching the dark days from Monday to Tuesday. Um, They're going to crunch all their numbers like they do every year. This year they'll incorporate the 1863 club opening and how that impacted things and then once they get their whole report ready and they get a handle on how you know at the granular level how things work they're going to meet with A lot of uh, Todd Shimkus from the Chamber of Commerce and uh, some other business people in Saratoga and get their feedback on how they would feel about a switch to Tuesday, Wednesday. But I firmly believe they're probably going to do that anyway because, as David O'Rourke said, he's in favor of what he calls A-B testing where you try two different things and then compare them. They know it's going to be two dark days and... I'm convinced that it's going to be two dark days forever, no matter what. But um, I, have, I have a sneaky feeling that he's going to push hard for Tuesday, Wednesday, dark days next year, just to see how it compared to the Monday, Tuesday that they had this year.
0: That leads me to a question I was going to ask a little bit later, but I'll ask it now, uh, with that possible switch of dark days, do you think the the impact of having – racing on monday next year if they do this with you know keep the people that stay sunday and have maybe more of an impact keeping people downtown on sunday night and into monday
5: i mean theoretically yes but it's hard to really tell how much of a difference it would make i know in recent years from having mondays off and going up there and just you know gambling my face off um the crowds are really light on monday they're really light on Wednesday, too. It's really hard to d- differentiate between Monday crowds and Wednesday crowds. So, again, it goes back to they'll, they'll test it next year, and then they'll kind of compare the numbers in some meaningful way and figure out which way is better and then proceed accordingly after that.
0: Well, let's talk about the numbers. Uh, Gazette reporter Stephen Williams wrote in uh, Wednesday's Gazette uh, and online at dailygazette.com that attendance for the meet was down 6%. Of course, they lost one day to racing because of the weather, as we mentioned, the excessive heat. That was on a Saturday, which is usually a big draw. Right. Um, on track, handle was uh, 146.6 million, down slightly from last year's 148.8 million. As you mentioned, the all sources handle, record 703, uh, 705.3 million, up 7% from last year. Just, uh, I guess, as you said, the all sources numbers is the big number. Uh, tennis-wise and on-track handle-wise, not much, uh, really not much of a, it's, it's down, but not much.
5: Yeah, it's not down significantly, and I tried not to get too crazy in comparing year to year. Um, you, you try to get a bigger sample size, like a wider range, like five or ten years. Um, when you start to doing these comparisons because there's just certain circumstances like the year american pharaoh was here you know attendance got a boost from that um you didn't have that this year so it's kind of like year to year i plus the other thing with the attendance and i i prefer the word paid admission because that you know they have a lot of little ways like um You know, they'll count the season passes every day, even if the people don't show up every day. And I know every major league stadium kind of calculates this stuff the same way. I try to shy away from the word attendance because it suggests that butts are actually in the seats and that might not necessarily be the case. Um, So the all-sources handle is is the big one. Plus, they topped a million in paid admission for the fifth year in a row, which was good. Again, losing that one day because of the the heat index. so, I mean, the numbers are strong and solid, in that. and these days, um, you know, the key number is all sources handle. That's people out of state betting on Saratoga's product and, and the Naira brand and all that stuff is reinforced. Um, so that that's the key number to me.
0: Well, Let me ask you about uh, the Woodward on Saturday. Just an impressive uh, performance? But- Preservationist,
5: um, it, it's interesting because um, – um, I asked Jimmy Jerkins, the trainer, after the race because um, in the Whitney, he kind of freaked out and got all sweaty and and, uh, and charged out to the lead, which isn't really his best running style, and he wound up finishing in fourth place to McKinsey. And then he was a total different, well-behaved boy in, in the Woodward. Um, and apparently trainer Jimmy Jerkins kind of shuffled his uh, – Stall assignments at his barn and put some fillies at the end, away from preservationists, because he was getting a little studdish and a little cultish. He's six years old, but he's still acting like a hormonal teenager around these fillies, and apparently that <laughs> that was um, taking him off his game a little <laughs> bit. Or certainly, would they, you know, they just wanted to tweak something and try. it, And he's he was a, a different horse in the uh, in the Woodward and was able to show off his talent, which was you know it was great. Were,
0: were blinkers used in the uh, barn? Uh, No, I think it was just physical removal and,
5: you know, I mean, they let him see whatever he wants. You just don't want him to, like, there's other senses that that come into play there that I think they're trying to curtail. What was, for you personally, what was the highlight of the meet? From a racing standpoint, that's an easy one, and that was the duel between Midnight Basu and Elate in the personal ensign on Travers Day. Um, The photo we used from Erica Miller, who did, by the way, a wonderful job the whole meet for us. Um, The photo that I grabbed uh, to use with my online story was they're basically in lockstep side by side as they near the wire. Like all four hooves are in exactly the same position between these two and there's nothing separating them. And then a late, just a hard luck loser over the last couple of years in certain, you know, she got banged out by a nose against Abel Tasman in the coaching club American Oaks two years ago and then she lost to her again in the... um, in the personal ensign i think by a neck and then this year to lose again um uh, it's just a crushing, heartbreaking thing to watch. But just you know, it reminded me of some of the really good stretch duels that are where the horses are separated by nothing. Like when Williams uh, Map got beat by Honor Code in the Whitney a few years ago. Um, so that that was like one of those instant classics where you're always going to remember it because they're so close and two courageous uh, mares duking it out all the way, and just barely anything separating them at the wire.
0: Well, Mike, you did an outstanding job with your coverage. Thanks for coming on the podcast during the eight-week run. Uh, next time we'll have you on the podcast It's going to be about Union Hockey. I have to rem- remember what a
5: hockey puck looks like all of a sudden. <laughs> I've seen some hockey puck-shaped things <laughs> over the Saratoga meet, but a, a different color. Um, but, yeah, well, um, thanks for having me. It was a fun meet, um, as usual, uh, challenging, but a lot of cool stories and a lot of interesting things to see.
0: So, yeah. Well, just get rested up a little bit get ready for hockey season. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah,
5: I do have a <laughs> vacation but uh, after that we'll suddenly we'll, we'll be in full hockey mode.
0: All right. That's Mike McGadam. Uh, we'll be back up uh, back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Hi,
3: this is Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Once again, I'll be going head-to-head with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott with my weekly NFL picks and defending my championship. Go to dailygazette.com blogs and look for my picks on my Thinking It Through blog. You can find Ken's picks at dailygazette.com sports.
0: Back to wrap up the podcast, and as Sarah Foss said, look for her NFL picks along with mine. It's going to be a fun season. Also, look for my blogs on NFL and college football TV coverage this week. You can find it at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. And that wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank my guests, Daily Gazette staffers Jim Schultz, Mike Kelly and Mike McAdam, and Union football coach Jeff Behrman. The Parting Shots podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today available for iOS and Android users in your app store. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shots. that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Good day, good sports.